Hey gang, Josh here. This episode is a series of live call-ins to the Monday Night Stream. We're chatting with a few of our community members on the ground at some very unique events. First, the Center for Political Innovation in Austin, Texas. And second, the America First Political Action Conference in Orlando, Florida. Both of which are organized by content creators, YouTubers, streamers, and other political influencers that are now coordinating IRL meetups to build their online fandoms into a real-world political force. Thank you to journalist Nathan Taylor Pemberton and meme admin Coincell Pro. Throw them a follow on social media. You can find their handles linked in the show notes. Let's start the episode. Hi, mystery caller. How are you? Is my audio coming through? Are you able to hear me? Uh, I hear you loud and clear. Hey, okay, good to see you. You're, you are live on the air. Where are you calling in from now, if you can reveal your location? Uh, yeah, I'm calling in from the beautiful city of Austin, Texas. Um, I'm at my parents' house right now. We're having a lovely southern dinner. I just had some fried okra. Uh, South by Southwest is upon us. Yes, uh, I saw something about a presentation where the catering was bugs. They were encouraging <laughs> people to eat bugs. Um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Got a lot of friends at the Marianne Williamson uh, speech at my favorite coffee shop. Yeah, the city's alive. You had a bit of an adventure this past week. Do you want to tell us where you went to and what the event was? Yes, uh, me and a friend of mine, we went to the Austin South Park Hotel conference room number one, went through a long line, got patted down with a metal detector, walked in the room. There's a giant, uh, brutalist uh, Lincoln uh, head on the wall. And uh, yeah, this is the CPI USA Freeing America from the Neoliberal Empire Conference. Yeah, It is really a, something extraordinary. Should yeah, I play the, this video, perhaps, so people have a sense of what you're describing? Because the description on its own, I think you had texted me something similar, or maybe you had said it in the Discord, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that sounds funny. I guess they have, like, a small bust of Lincoln. But this is, oh. like, an enormous, I want to say it's, like, six feet by six feet, like, robust it's, it's, Soviet it's style. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Should I, why don't I play this video just so people get a sense of the. see all of the luminaries from the event. There was Caleb Maupin. Who was there? Did you get to see anyone speak? Yeah, uh, holy shit. It was so fucking long. This is one of the most masochistic things I've ever done in my life, I think. Yeah, so Caleb Maupin was kind of the master of ceremonies. And then there was Jackson Hinkle, who, I, if you're not familiar, he's, like, he's another patriotic socialist. He's from uh, California, I think. Samira Khan was supposed to speak, but something happened and she didn't. Let me read through the list of guests here, just so we cover yes, all of our bases get, for this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've absolutely. pulled up on the stream a invite from the CPI Twitter account. 
Free America from the Neoliberal Empire. Now, that sounds pretty good to me. This is from the Center for Political Innovation. Mm-hmm. And we have Jason Hinkle. Uh, the chat was saying before, you can't wrinkle the Hinkle. They have <laughs> yeah. Samira Khan, who apparently was not there. So, okay, Caleb Moffin seems to be to the speak. centerpiece. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Peter Coffin, Miss ACD, and has from Infrared. Of those guests uh, featured on the invite, how many of them mm-hmm. were actual speakers? How many were just attendees? So, so everyone spoke, uh, Samira was supposed to speak, but for some reason she did not. Maybe this is because they were taking care of the ultra leftist, uh, infiltration. They had to cut <laughs> some time. Oh, oh, by the way, it started a fucking 40 minutes late. I was like losing my mind in this conference room. It seems like um, there was a security situation where some people were kicked out and there were Maoist infiltrators. Oh, okay. I mean, do you want to talk about that right now? Well, okay. So what I'm trying to piece together is I think there may have been two groups from that are in this Discord who also went to that event and were live reporting on it. And one of them got kicked out. And I assume that you were part of that group. But now I realize there were actually two separate... I mean, I dress like a fucking conservative. They, like, did not suspect me at all. Undercover. Like, um, which, yeah, I, I, laid, I was, like, surprised because, um, like, I, ran, I recognized a lot more people there than I expected. Most of them were there for the spectacle. Or all, all the people I knew. Most of the people there were, you know, really bought into it. Yeah, but there were three people, okay, who I don't know personally, but my friends knew them. And they were kicked out for no reason with no explanation. I think they just like didn't like the cut of their jib or something like their glasses were a little too hip, you know. Okay. Anyway, these people were accused of being uh, Austin Red Guards uh, of malice. And And for people who are listening, what are the Austin Red Guards? Oh, fucking Christ. Okay. 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 Well, first off, okay. So this is a Gonzalite uh, Maoist faction, which has been active for about like the past like six years, (laughs) maybe a little longer. In Austin. <laughs> yeah. Baby boilers. Uh, I could, yeah, exactly. Baby boilers, shining path, acolytes. Um, I've had uh, many friends go in and out of this. They really prey on like liberal arts, like students. Oh, God, I could talk about Red Guards forever. You can't call them Red Guards anymore. It's illegal. So they have to go by like a lot of different names. And it's kind of confusing to keep track of if you aren't like in the community. They're still active. I happen to know that they're in some turmoil right now. So as far as I know, I know all the Red Guards. I know some of them personally. I know what their silhouettes look like. I know they don't dress <laughs> hip also. So well, the, let me read this tweet that I have up on the screen. not Red Guards. There's a tweet here from Keaton Mansfield. Uh, yes, Keaton Mansfield, Russian emoji, Orthodox cross emoji in the name. Mm-hmm. And the tweet yes. reads, Maoists in Austin are the most pathetic people I've ever seen. Too afraid to even show their face and the idiots they sent in to infiltrate stuck out like a sore thumb and were removed an hour before the conference even started. So yeah. my understanding is that that is referring to not mm-hmm. the actual Red Guards and not the actual Austin Maoists, but I believe mm-hmm. the people who were in the Discord, who were not there with mm-hmm. you, who were kicked out yes. after being mistaken for the Austin Maoists. That's it's... exactly what happened. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, there was, they are absolutely not Red Guards. They just kicked out some random people because they thought they looked sketchy. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. I would like to fact check their uh, claims that they kicked out Maoists because they did not. Sure. We're, uh, we're throwing around a lot of political terms here. For people who are not familiar with the CPI, would you tell people mm-hmm. briefly what is that organization? So the CPI, the Center for Political Innovation, is a think tank, uh, which I believe was started by Caleb Maupin. 
but wasn't started by him. He's like the de facto leader of it. And it is a patriotic socialist, American patriot think tank. I, you know, I'm a little confused on like what their game plan is, what like their intentions are, but they have a strong brand and ideology you know, they are, they are, they're Marxist, you know, they are Leninists, they read Mao, you know, all that stuff. Uh, People are saying Nazbol in the chat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what I was getting to. Okay. They are. And the word Nazbol was thrown around at this conference, uh, which they were like, Oh, we're not Nazbol. But yeah, I mean, Caleb Maupin, he's like tight with uh, fucking Dugan, you know, to me, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be as objective as possible here. To me, I, I, I think it's like an American response to Duganism. So as there's this like mm. multipolar world that is allegedly arising, you know, uh, Eurasian, Russia, China, you know, counter hegemony. What is the role of the USA, you know, in this whole thing? So they are like American response to like the rise of a multipolar world. That makes a lot of sense when you phrase it that way. But my sense of looking at this as compared to the America First conference that mm-hmm. another friend of the stream went to a few weeks back is that mm-hmm. this seemed much more like Comic-Con, Internet, IRL, uh, yes. less of a serious political conference. Is that correct? Uh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I'm probably giving them uh, too much credit. Uh, that's like what they want to be. Okay. <laughs> what I saw was like, larpy like fucking like pageant you know uh <laughs> that video really does look like a pageant with the flag bearers and the giant lincoln bust yeah oh absolutely and caleb Moppin even said like right after that at least the opening one they did it twice um that they oh my god we rehearsed it so many times you know which is like i don't know what the fuck you're rehearsing you just like walked down you know but he sounded like a high school theater teacher or something were there members of the press? Did anybody stick out, seem like they didn't belong? Well, it's funny. I think they were like, but they, I think they were really trying to control who was photographing in there. Security was like really weirdly tight. But there was this woman, she was in a hijab and she had a uh, camera bag. She had a big camera bag. And they were just harassing her like for like two hours at the beginning because I guess they didn't want her to take a camera, you know, pictures or something, uh, which is just confusing to me because people had their phones out, of course. Sure. Um, there was one person who was wearing a Vosh shirt and <laughs> <laughs> had some makeup on, you know, uh, <laughs> and I would, yeah, 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 yeah. They stuck out to me. I was like, okay, what's your, are you into this? You know? And then I found them on Twitter later and they were like freaking out about how they weren't leftists. This sounds like Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, t- it's a total LARP. I mean, Vosh was brought up like four or five times. Caleb Maupin wrote a whole book about the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) There is, I mean, uh, there is something uh, that uh, Vosh grew from a channel of zero followers to 300,000 followers. And Caleb Maupin on YouTube, comparatively, Mm -hmm. he's like 25K and he's been on the platform for 10 years. So I can definitely imagine a bunch of like career jealousy, but also political Mm -hmm. splitting of hairs and stuff like that, because it's got to be very frustrating. But there is also a reason, I mean, I think these politics are kind of, they seem really LARPy and kind of weird and um, just plainly uninteresting. So there's maybe a reason why they're not scalable. <laughs> it's not that people aren't ready for them or they're too radical, yeah. they're just unappealing. People mm-hmm. are asking in the chat if there were feds in the crowd also. Not including myself? 
<laughs> Coin Cell Pro, I should have known. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Fucking okay, I was you know I was scanning the crowd. Okay. There was there were some speeches that got pretty boring. I don't know. I don't know if there were feds or not. If Red Guards were there in actuality, yeah, there would have been some feds there for sure. This conference you know? has yeah. interesting timing because mm -hmm. as far as I'm familiar, it was scheduled before the invasion of Ukraine. A lot of these people are very sympathetic to Russia. In Caleb Maupin's bio, mm -hmm. it now says Russian state-supported media. Uh, yes. In his personal bio, too, not just mm -hmm. his professional and his media brand. Mm -hmm. Were there sentiments expressed that uh, seemed, uh, I imagine, explicitly in support of Russia's territorial claim? Absolutely, yes. Throughout the entire event, from the opening ceremony with... I think you showed the uh, closing ceremony video, but the opening ceremony video, which there have been some screenshots of, they had a um, Donetsk Republic uh, flag that they also uh, revealed, and they had a big uh, Z sign, which is a controversial symbol. I think it means, like, the victory uh, for Russia. So, yeah, no, the pro-Russian sentiments were, like, all over the place. Hinkle's uh, speech was pretty much entirely just being, like... But did you know about, you know, what's been happening in the Donbass the past eight years, you know, which, you know, I think the counter narratives of this are totally important. But being in that room, I was like, oh, wow, you guys, it's like very like pro Putin in like an uncomfortable way. So what was the general age range of the attendees? Lots of young people, honestly, um, probably like early 20s. I'm even younger than that, you know. Were they followers of the streamers and content producers, or were they people who had been in the area and were like in radical groups already? You know, I'm very familiar with radical politics in Austin. I did not see anyone. I did not recognize anyone from those circles. I think it's safe to say it was like pretty much entirely like internet people, you know? Fascinating. How was the conference laid out? Did they have uh, booths and merch or was it yeah. just like the main hall where people were talking or? Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was just one room, probably like 100 people, you know, a hundred seats at least. Yeah. And there was one booth which had, you know, the classics, state and rev, you know, wage, labor and capital. Weird fucking mess of like their own books and like some like Marxist, uh, Leninist classics. Um, they had a copy of the Green Book, which I've been meaning to get my hands on for a while. So I picked up uh, $5, you know, printed it cost. It's um, a bargain. And then there was some old like CPUSA stuff, you know. But yeah, that was the one booth. And then it was just a single conference hall. Right, right. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like on the on the abstract level, a lot of these things... They, they do make sense in a certain way, you know, that they're not, um, they're not a thousand percent wrong on, on some of these issues, but they, um, they approach it in just the absolute most bizarre way. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is really, um, it throws you for a loop. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and that's like sort of terrifying about uh, attending this event was like, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Marxist, you know, I, I, you know, I've thrown critical support behind, you know, countries that are not, you know, socialist or whatever, you know, but being here, I really felt like this is such a like a sh bizarre failure. I don't know, the, the American like nationalism of it is like, just a really misguided approach. And they even try to say like, oh, America's not a nation, you know, it's a country full of plurinational or whatever. And it's like, I don't know, this kind of looks like nationalism. It's, it's, it's conflicting and, and weird. And I think it's, um, 
Yeah, I think it's also probably fair to say that there is like significant financial support from uh, the mm-hmm. Kremlin, uh, whereas, yeah. <laughs> you yes. know, uh, maybe let's remain agnostic that there are certain factions mm. of the left that are a CIA op or whatever, but uh-huh. this is just very nakedly a Kremlin uh-huh. op. So, yeah, <laughs> there's... It's just like kind of funny for me because like my instinct is to, it's like, oh, I don't like them. I'm going to Fed jacket them, you know. But uh, yeah, it is it is funny, like seeing like a Kremlin op. Is there any particular reason why this was held in Austin? Yeah, I, it's baffling to me. Yeah, the phrase uh, "taking the show on the road" uh, was used several times. So they are going to be like moving across the country. If you oh, have wow. the patience and you're a masochist like me, I recommend checking out the conference. It's like culty. It's weird. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so I think what they're doing is they're trying to like plant seeds in like cities, you know, and try and like recruit people and stuff to their think tank. That was going to be my last question. Yeah. Are they going to do this again next year? But I guess it's not an annual event. It's now a, a traveling recruitment mm-hmm. project for yes. yeah the, the anti-imperialist, mm-hmm. anti-neoliberal left, if you can call it that. I don't know. Red-Brown Alliance I, I, feels like a cringy yeah. thing. I'm trying not to say yeah. it, but I'm not I mean, sure how else to describe them. I wouldn't call them left, uh, and I don't think they'd call themselves left. But uh, yeah, so it's not going to be a yearly thing. I think they're, it's going to be more frequent than that. Okay, well, they picked the right time to do it because it is very topical mm-hmm. now. Jeez. Absolutely. All of these people Absolutely. will probably be off social media in like the next three months if they make yeah. it that long. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like a rush to de-virtualize. And, you know, they've been preaching communism for all these years, you know, Caleb, at least especially. And they're trying to like root themselves in the real worker, you know, movement. And they don't feel um, like their ideas or whatever are safe on social media. So they're trying to establish something in the real world. It is, I mean, it is just broadly conceptually interesting that a bunch of atomized content producers come together, unify as a brand, as a political Mm -hmm. project, and then de-virtualize and be, try to become something more Mm -hmm. than just a a content channel, but try to become a political Mm -hmm. organization. So this is very much the field that I'm interested in. Um, Mm -hmm. This is more or less what I expected, that it's kind of a LARPy, cringy thing that is in, I think most cases, astroturfed. uh, exceptionally. Yeah. Um, Coincell Pro, thank you so much for mm-hmm. calling in. Do you want to give your handles? Where can people follow <laughs> you on social media? I've got your Instagram up on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Follow Coincell Pro 4 on social media. Follow the backup. We'll probably get deleted soon. Join the Discord. It's like Josh's, except like more brain dead. Um, oh yeah, we have a we have an event on Friday. If you're in the Austin, Texas area, you know, fuck it. If you want to fly out, uh, we're gonna be at the Bang Energy Pavilion on a rainy street. Oh my! Um, God. Dorian Electra is gonna be DJing. Uh, John Waters is gonna be there. Charlotte <laughs> is gonna be there as well. It's gonna be a big blast. Everyone gets an NFT. It sounds fucking so. lit, bro. I'm there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, audio test, are you able to hear me? Can you hear me now? Uh, Nathan, thank you for calling in. Yeah, you had quite an adventure the last week, the last two days. I did. I journeyed to the heart of AFPAC 3 
at the Marriott World Center, not far from Disney World in Orlando, Florida, this past Friday. And for people who are maybe not familiar with what AFPAC 1, 2, or 3 is, would you give our listeners just a brief description of what that conference is? Absolutely. It's the uh, Political Action Conference organized by Nick Fuentes and his America First organization. This is the third year, obviously, of its incarnation, and it's grown more or less from an event in a ballroom in D.C. of 50 to 60 acolytes to a fully sold-out operation three years later with over a 1,000 attendees at a corporate setting that runs parallel with CPAC, which was also happening concurrently in Orlando, Florida. Obviously, that's by design, as Fuentes and his boys have been disinvited from CPAC and banned from CPAC, in fact. So... That was the origin story for AFPAC, that they were kicked out of the conservative political action conference, so they decided to start their own. Yeah. Uh, Approximately, you said a thousand people were in attendance. Yes, it was a fully sold out event, and this was not self-aggrandizing. It was a fully packed room into the late hours. Fuentes gave his, basically his his headlining speech around 1.30 in the morning, and no one... 1.30 in the morning. (laughs) Yes. Programming began at, after a dinner, uh, began around 9.30, and there was a whole array of speakers. There was no mention of, like, a formal programming prior to the event. In fact, basically, they didn't announce the address of the conference until two to three hours before tip-off, in effect to prevent uh, Antifa or any protesters from interrupting the proceedings. Did you feel like there were other members of the press there or were you really just on your own? Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, I felt extremely uh, on my own and I will credit America first and they had a very strong security presence. They had maybe one too many young men wearing walkie-talkies for my comfort, but they were doing security the way you should do at a political rally. There were no photographs Mm. permitted, no audio recordings. Uh, Using your cell phones was discouraged. There were tiered entry levels, so there were VIP and sponsor-level guests. There were general admission guests. There were reception and general admission guests. Um, It was a fully functional event. So that sounds to me much more like a political conference than it does a streamer fandom. That doesn't necessarily sound like you went to Comic-Con or something. Not at all. This is, it definitely felt like a political movement stepping into late adolescence. It's growing up and it's starting to basically develop real muscle and real organizational force and... Yeah, I left the event convinced that this is the future of right-wing, ultra-right politics in the United States. I mean, I have to agree with you. That sounds accurate. I'm just pulling up an image now of the speakers. There was, oh my God, this is really, really extensive. I saw this image circulating yes. online, but it's there are so many people here. Okay, um, Nick Fuentes, Joe Arpaio, Jesse Lee Peterson, mm-hmm. Wendy Rogers, yes. Andrew Torba. That's the guy behind, is it Gab? Is that his network? Yes. Yes. He was. Uh, yes. Stu Peters, Vincent James. I think he's also Red Elephant is maybe the name of his channel. Two mystery speakers. I saw it in the chat earlier. One of them was yes. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Is that right? Yes, that okay. was her. And she basically kicked off the proceedings, which was organized allegedly as 
Fuentes announced through the help of Milo Yiannopoulos, who was there in attendance, but maintaining a low profile. But he basically back-channeled and arranged for Marjorie to speak at the event. Who was the second speaker? There's another mystery speaker here. There was no actual second speaker. It was supposed to be, I believe, Thomas Homan, who was the former ICE administrator, but he was listed on the brochure. Marjorie was definitely the headliner, and yeah. which, if you've been watching the news, she proceeded to deny and denounce any affiliation to Fuentes the next day at CPAC when she was cornered by reporters. Of course, of course. yes. There's a myriad of other guests here. Let me just run through these names really rapid yeah. fire because it would take forever to get through all of them. Uh, Michelle Malkin, Steve King, Carrie Lake, John Miller, Gavin McGinnis, Milo Yiannopoulos, John Doyle, Harrison Smith, Garrett Zeigler, I don't know who that is, Patrick Howley, Jared Taylor, Jesus fucking Christ, Peter Brimelow, yes. Lauren Witzke, I'm not sure I know her, Laura Loomer, uh, they've got the whole, <laughs> they've got everybody here, Bry- Bryson Gray. Jaden McNeil, Baked Alaska, Beardson Beardley, uh, Tyler Russell, Dalton Claude Felter, I don't know him, Kai Clips. Longtime viewers of this channel will remember looking at Kai Clips when he was a TikTok channel years and years ago now. Uh, he's really come up in the world. Wurzel Roots, I don't know who that is. Wooza and Lance Videos. Okay, Lance Videos I've seen tagged on social media. Yeah, okay. February 25th, Orlando, Florida. Tickets available at afpac.events. How was it getting a ticket? I remember you had some trouble um, yes. getting it in the mail or something like that. Well, they've been deplatformed and banned from all sort of digital payment services. So the check had to be processed via e-check, which is more or less you provide your uh, routing number and your bank account number. <laughs> and the check is withdrawn directly. The, the payment for the conference was not listed as a payment for a ticket it was marked as a donation so you're technically making uh, a donation to a political organization oh jesus <laughs> the other option was to of course mail a paper check to a p.o box in indiana that and then I, to just give you yeah. an idea about that list of names basically that was the bottom end of the flyer of the afpac coachella flyer if you will those guests did not speak that was more so like this is the brain trust this is the kind of the elder circle the main speakers wendy rogers appeared via stream Stu peters jesse lee peterson vince james and joe arpaio uh and torba like i said those were the only speakers at the event uh the rest were vip level attendee and i will say that everywhere jared taylor went every person i was in proximity to said, oh, that's Jared Taylor. I want to shake his hand. I yeah. have to talk to him. I have to see him. I have to meet him. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, this must have been 2018 or something like that. Fuentes spoke at an American Renaissance conference. Yeah, so they, they do actually go quite a ways back. He seemed yeah. to be a very influential, revered figure amongst everyone who was there. Yeah, he's kind of the godfather of the movement. Yeah. Okay. What about the scene on the ground? So there's the big dinner, there's the conference hall. Are there vendors? Are there like booths and and merch? What is the environment like as you're going through the conference? There was only four or five vendors. They were tucked into a corner of a pretty sprawling Marriott space. And that kind of felt more for operational security reasons, I assumed. America first blue hats were everywhere, but they were all worn by the kind of event security, if you will. 
to answer your question, the vendors, Steve King was there, the New York congressman, shilling his latest book. There were a more traditional kind of array of vendors, so like anti-tax Republican Party groups, Trump-related <laughs> Republican groups, nothing that really seemed to speak the language of the event. And then there was a merch table for that's, America see, First that's, merch. That's the funny thing, is that they're rather heterodox in their thinking. I mean, the anti-tax people kind of don't belong in their political program because they, I mean, they would probably lighten the tax burden on the middle class, but they do want to tax the billionaires that finance the political parties. So, yeah, those people are kind of out of place. It it did not seem to uh, engender any interest from the attendees. So it was funny, though, because you'd kind of mentioned earlier that or you asked if it was an influencer event, and I saw so many exchanges between low-tier content producers and influencers who oh god, yeah, <laughs> want to say hi and kind of go long about how they've been watching the stream for however many years, or longtime fan, and they would take a picture. You know, it had a comic con element to it. Tons of selfies being taken. Uh, People discount this stuff. They think that it's like not a big deal. But literally the founding of the Proud Boys were just fans of Gavin McGinnis. That was a very humble origin for what became an extremely influential organization. So to discount this project, this political project, as being just merely the fandom of a streamer is the most critical underestimation of the potential of this just given the guest list of members of the fucking government and white nationalist organizations in attendance this is a pretty significant thing it's baffling to me that you're the only person who's there reporting on this thing people you have watching a, the stream people are sure. watching the stream but there's so I've much more that you see reporters. in person yes you, i agree okay. and are there pieces out about it already New York Magazine did a brief recap okay. that Marjorie was there, um, but this is anything that could have been gleaned like from. They'd, they'd write about if she went street. to the fucking supermarket. They'd write if yeah, she went yeah. to the grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> what's significant is this event and this organization. And um, there seems to be, you know, I, I am reporting a story for a magazine, but there has been a lot of disinterest from. A handful of magazines and news outlets that just don't seem to grasp what AFPAC or America First is up to or the importance of it. And what I saw was a real intense, fervid, organized political body stepping into maturity in a way that was really, (laughs) really overwhelmingly scary. Um, And I think part of it had to do with the fact that they know optics so well. You know, they understood what it meant to get Marjorie to speak or to have the lieutenant governor of Idaho speak or to have a former ICE official speak. They wanted elected officials to be there because that conferred a sense of legitimacy to their movement that they haven't had yet. It's slowly, incrementally growing. It legitimizes the movement and it delegitimizes both the media that doesn't report on it, but also the platforms that kick them off. Right. Because if you can have someone who's in the government speak at your event, but you can't get coverage from the media or from the platforms, that's a very unsustainable crisis. Yes. Right. Um, Can you say where you're going to publish the piece? I'm not sure if I know. Piecing it together, it's going to be a two part series on young extreme political movements, kind of in the vein of the work that you've done. But it'll focus on two oppositional movements formed by under 25 year olds. Oh, wow. Who's the second one? Yeah. 
Uh, it'll be Gravel Institute. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, we were just watching their video about an hour ago on the stream. Nice. Interesting comparison. Yeah. Probably competing for the same demographic at some points. They are. And that, that was probably the thing that stuck with me the most leaving the event was how ripe for messaging and this these people can be pulled from the ultra right i think the bugaboo obviously is how do you get past the racial and religious elements but the bulk of the conversation was about more populist matters and about jobs drugs (laughs) very Hmm. traditionalist thinking but yeah there's an opportunity for left messaging to get in there i think a lack of effort has just made the appeal of race and religion outsized, more or less. You mentioned it was like going to church camp at the conference. Extremely so. It felt like it felt like a Sunday youth service, far more religious than I was anticipating. I mean, the most common chant at the event that would punctuate speakers and, and interrupt their flow was Christ is King. Spontaneously, I've seen them do the that. The room yeah. of a thousand boys would start chanting "Christ is King" at full volume, smashing their ballroom tables as hard as possible. Everyone at my table that I spoke with was really concerned with living in areas that were religious or full of churches or full of church-going people. One person was holding up a cross between beats during speeches a catholic priest did a benediction to start the event yeah it was far more religious than i thought it would be what would you say was the general age range of the people in attendance is it under 28 under 28 okay 18 to 24 that didn't fit them the whole gamut of 20 <laughs> there were a lot of ill-fitting suits from the images i saw yes <laughs> so many it was incredible but also i want to point out that there was a lot of extremely well-dressed people like this is a wealthy uh, upper class movement this isn't uh, uh, interesting interesting working class folk these people wearing three-piece suits and wearing time pieces and wearing gucci loafers and wingtips and clearly uh money exists in their family. Did you get the sense it was was like, was it like the sons of small business owners type of vibe? If they have money, but they're not really old enough to be wealthy? Everyone at my table was a computer programmer or a small business owner. A lot of them do programming, it seems like. I think that there's a tie-in between screen time and how much they've been watching, how, how much access they have to watching the stream. A lot of app developers, a lot of full-stack developers, but that's kind of anecdotal. I definitely couldn't extrapolate that out to the group at large. But it felt like a rich sons and daughters event. And then there were a handful of couples. You know, it seemed like a date night opportunity for some people, girls with boys. No single girls, it seemed like. Everyone was attached. I'm shocked. But that ratio, the ratio of women to men is probably 1 to 10, 1 to 15. I was worried about your safety for a little bit. I texted you that. Did you have yeah, any encounters that made you feel unsafe while you were there? Um, I got lucky and sat with the table of people who weren't, while they were extremely partisan and passionate about it, they weren't sussing me out. But there was an awkward dilemma. You know, I, I wasn't able to identify myself as a journalist at the event. So that more or less meant that I was a fellow follower. And a question that I got asked several times was how long have you been listening to nick how long have you been streaming 
how long have you been watching? When did you get into it? What did you say? Well, I, I, <laughs> I had to kind of create a cover story and it drew on some of my like actual experiences working in Florida politics, working in the Capitol. And I basically explained that I was interested and open, but extremely undecided about what my politics were beyond the fact that I needed something more hardcore, which was kind of music to their ears. Like they all understood that they all had been on that journey to the ultra right. They know what it meant and they were really happy to have me there. But an awkward facet of this is the fact that there were so many standing ovations and so many breaks for applause and everyone at my table was looking at me to see if I was participating. You kind of have to go through the motions. Yeah. I kind of had to, to avoid undue suspicion. I mean, I had many long bathroom breaks to take notes on my index cards and my eye notes. And I was recording audio the whole time, which several people I talked to said they didn't want to have their phones out. They didn't want to draw any suspicion. The security would pass through by our table every five or 10 minutes, head on a swivel style, you know, seeing Mm. if anything was happening. So yeah, I felt a little paranoid that they knew what was up. I I was recording conversations with these people, which I will use anonymously, but there was a real sense that it's a, Fuentes himself kind of said it during his speech, like it's a big thing that you guys are here and you're you're embracing this and, and putting your physical presence in this room because it's a risk. Everyone I talked to was like, I knew that I needed to do this. I needed to put my money where my mouth was more or less and like be present. Yeah, there there were definitely government agents in the room as well. And it would not be an exaggeration to say that uh, there are elements of the counterterrorism apparatus that are very interested in this organization in connection with the events of January 6th, which is, I think, a I think mostly a conflation. Uh, I don't think America First was actually responsible for instigating it. I think that not at all. Some of the media has really tried to push that narrative, and I've always pushed back against it. But that doesn't mean that the government is not under that assumption. Yeah, so I would not be surprised if there was somebody in the room who works for the state and whatever. Um, I wouldn't okay. be either. Well, I was going to ask you this as the final question, but you have worked in politics, like real, actual politics. So I was going to ask if being in that room felt more like you were in the fandom for Comic-Con or if you were in a political conference. But you kind of opened with the idea that it felt like you were in a real political organization. Were there any weird internet things that, that maybe felt like they didn't belong in the conference? Anything that stuck out that seemed unusual? What stuck out and what seemed unusual was... Any instance of like a more traditional GOP type figure speaking to the audience. So Joe Joe Arpaio went on around midnight and he's a 90-year-old former sheriff, former Reaganite, worked in the Nixon administration for a bit. And as anyone should know, his big claim to fame besides a really grueling deportation apparatus was his investigation of Obama's birth certificate during the Obama presidency. And no one could have given less of a shit about his speech. And he spoke for well over an hour. There was a real disconnect there. I don't think people have any desire to replicate or play with traditional GOP politics or invective or even some of the more culture war items of the GOP. I mean, I think the big something that struck me was that, you know, this is the same week that Texas had passed that anti-trans bill and Florida had passed. A don't talk about being gay bill, which 
I think the GOP would tout as big milestones, but no one brought it up at AFPAC. It had no play. It had no legs. I mean, this was a really hardline, anti-immigrant, anti-black, pro-populist economics event. They were not interested in anything like that. And that struck me, more or less. So. Yeah, well, I, I look forward to the piece that you're writing. It's, I think you're doing really important work. I think as far as I know, you're the only person who is in attendance to give the actual story on the ground. So thank you for doing the Lord's work. Do you want to give Absolutely your social right. or handles? Where can people find your stuff? Yeah, yeah. My Twitter is my name. So it's Let me pull your, I've got, okay, I've got yeah, you up on the up. screen. At Nathan Pemberton. Yeah, so throw Nathan a follow. Thank you so much for calling in. And I look forward to reading the story. This is, yeah, really fantastic work. Mm-hmm.